Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. I'm so glad that you're able to be with us this evening. Pray that your week is going well and uh, things are looking up for you. Praise God. I believe that the church is alive and well and the church is on the move because I believe the kingdom of God is being activated uh, like never before in greater measure, I believe. And I'm excited to be a part of it and to know who he is and to be able to call Jesus my Lord. Praise God. I want to just open tonight's uh, lesson up with a word of prayer that the Lord would just speak to our hearts. I want to take a few minutes tonight again to talk about the kingdom of God. I believe that that is a focus of where God is setting at least my attention and I believe many others' attention as well. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you is what Matthew told us. And so I want to be aware of that and to do my very best to help you as well. Praise God. So let's just open up the word of prayer. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to be together tonight online. I'm praying that something that would be said tonight would uh, allow us to draw closer to you, to become um, energized and uh, encouraged and uh, inspired, Lord, to move on the behalf of the kingdom of God. Lord, we'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen, amen. With the events that have surrounded us over the last several months, and especially the last several weeks, and even what's going on uh, at present, I believe that God takes moments like this or seasons like this to allow his kingdom to come alive like it doesn't uh, at other times. I believe that uh, and it's not because God's not moving. It's not because God is speaking differently. It's because more people are attuned and looking for what God has to offer. When things are stressful, that's when humans tend to turn and look for God to be active and God to move. And so I believe because of what we've been experiencing over the last several, well, really about the last year or two, I believe that God's kingdom is becoming very um, pronounced because we've been looking for it. People are looking for something that's bigger than themselves, something that means something, something that's significant, and that would be the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that don't recognize what the kingdom of God is, and uh, we talked a little bit about this on our Sunday service. I encourage you, if you're joining us for the first time tonight, to go to our webpage at spiritofgracechurch.org, and you can just uh, hit on, the. I think it's the podcast link and you can listen to the podcast watch us on youtube or on facebook as well and uh, i talked about the kingdom of god and i feel led to take another step in that direction uh in dealing with the kingdom of god and being able to identify some of the things that the kingdom of god is and what it's not and uh, unfortunately sometimes we have majored on the minors and minors minored on the majors and uh, i've heard that statement my entire life probably um, but I believe that in the kingdom of God today, we need to major on all of it. The kingdom of God needs to be alive within us. And we, I believe, as the church, as the believers of the Lord, are the ones that are the expression of the kingdom in this world today. And so it is uh, compelling for you and I to be able to release the kingdom of God through us. And it's not something that we can do it of ourselves, but we need to surrender our our will, surrender our hearts so that God can move through us. So I'm reading from Romans chapter 14, and this is probably one of the main scriptures that people use to identify 
what the kingdom of God is. And I'm going to actually start in verse 14, Romans 4, 14. I'm reading from the, New King, or from the King James Version. It says, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean in a, in a, uh, of itself, excuse me, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, thou, uh, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not your good then be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved to men. I want to also read that same passage from the New Living Translation. It's a little bit of an easier read. But starting again in verse 14, I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. And this is based off of a discussion or a disagreement about what, what kind of food people can eat because uh, the Jews and the Greeks had two very different diets. And one was accusing the other of eating things that weren't proper. But if someone believes it's wrong, then for that person it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating run in or ruin someone for whom Christ died. Uh, I believe that the principle in this passage also for Paul is not just the actual eating of food. That's the specific item that is here. But he goes on in other areas to say that uh, not all things are, are unlawful, but they're not expedient. And so what's good for me may not be good for you, but we can't allow ourselves to become stumbling blocks in one another's lives. <clears throat> Verse four, uh, 16, Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God, and others will approve of you also. And uh, then in verse 19, so then let this harmony in the church and try to build each other up. I believe this is a picture of the kingdom. I believe that the kingdom is not the do's and the don'ts. It's not the thou shalt's that's, that, that, that has not been lined up by God. Now, if God has said it, then, then that's God's standard and we live by it. But if it's not something that God has set up, I believe it's something that you and I have to deal with. We have to, as the scripture says, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. There are some things that are good for me and some things that are not, and some that are sinful and some that are not for me personally that may or may not be for you. And it is wrong for me to put that conviction upon you because God hasn't convicted of you, and it's wrong for you to put it on me because God hasn't convicted me of that. The principle that Paul is referring to here, though, is that if you know a brother or a sister in Christ uh, has a conviction of something, we shouldn't be doing putting a stumbling block in front of them or criticizing them for that conviction. Their conviction is between them and God. And I think for far too long, uh, we as believers have rested on what others have told us should be our convictions instead of uh, allowing God to speak to us as individuals. Uh, I believe that we are all priests uh, of the kingdom of God. I, I believe that we are all individually, uh, I believe in direction of leadership and spiritual authority. I believe in all of that, but when it really comes down to it, uh, 
our belief or our relationship is a very personal relationship and Jesus deals with us on a very personal level. And so if it's uh, in the word of God and it needs to be, in, it's in there, then obviously we preach it and we teach it. But if it's outside of the word of God and it's become a man-made desire, um, then uh, it's a conviction of personal relationship with the Lord. And so we get to verse number 17, and Paul differentiates and says, uh, and, and really is rebuking the Roman uh, believers here, the, the saints that were in Rome, because he says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. In other words, they were arguing about the wrong things. They were fighting about the wrong things. They were majoring on minors, and they were minor, mining, minoring on majors. They were doing it backwards. They were doing it inside out. And they were fighting amongst themselves and causing division amongst themselves. And that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of unity. The kingdom of God has one king, one Lord, and his name is Jesus, has, has one ruling member, if you will. And then all of us are equals with him or with each other in the kingdom of God under the auspices, Jesus Christ himself being the head. And uh, so I believe that uh, there are some things that, uh, Paul narrows the kingdom of, I say narrows it down, uh, but he really gives it some stability in the three things that we should be absolutely in tune with and, um, and operating in that sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get caught in the man-made thing. So I, I, I want to read again. Um, it is, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And uh, so I want to deal with those three aspects tonight because I would like to see the kingdom of God re be released in Spirit of Grace Church and the believers that I am in contact with, whether it be you online who maybe don't attend our church in person, but are faithfully joining us each week either on YouTube or, or on Facebook and or in our podcast. We're thankful that for all of those avenues that we have right now to share the gospel and to share the kingdom. And so um, the way that I believe proper interpretation is done, I, I've, I've kind of boiled it down to my own way of looking at things. I know that you can study, there's whole classes on how to interpret the scriptures. Um, but I've come to think of it as, as a five-step process, and that is word, verse, chapter, book, Bible. What does that word mean? And then when you look up a word in scripture, or for, for instance, there's over 30,000 or, or 200,000 words in the Greek, over 30,000 words in Hebrew, and then the English language is very weak. So we've got, we use a, an English word like, um, well, an example is uh, repentance. That's a couple of different words in the Greek language. And so unless you understand which Greek word is being used, all you see is the English word repentance. So you find out what that word means and then how that word fits into the, the scripture and then how that scripture fits into a chapter. And because there really was no chapter in verses, how that scripture fits into the book and then how the book fits into the overall Bible. And you'll get a fairly accurate understanding of what uh, the scripture is trying to tell us. And so I, I look at these and I want to break these three down, these three aspects of the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And if you look at that, you're, it's really righteousness in the Holy Ghost, peace in the Holy Ghost, and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
the key point being there, the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit of God that resonates within the kingdom. And so it's important for us to listen, to hear, to understand what thus says the word of the Lord. The Bible says it this way in Romans 10, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord, the rhema word of God. And, and so it's very important that we have our ear attuned to what the Spirit is saying. And so uh, that, that's the underlying key of the kingdom. But then there's these three points that Paul uses, righteousness, peace, and joy. And so I began to do a little bit of study and, and began to look at some of these. And there's some things in here that go a little bit deeper that we may even understand. For instance, the beginning is righteousness. The word righteousness is, is a, uh, really it's a word of justification, of, of making things just, if you will, doing things in a just way, being right. Uh, the doctrine uh, of which you and I can attain a state approved of God, not on our own, but through the power of the Spirit, we become righteous, uh, or we become pure, or we become uh, virtuous. But there's another aspect of this, if you look up the word, there's another aspect of this word that really intrigues me, and that is simply this. It's the state of one who is as they ought to be. I want to say that again. It's the state of one who is as he ought to be. The Lord, uh, I believe, spoke to my heart several years ago about ministering to those that are struggling with addiction um, of all, all stripes and kinds, not just, not just drugs and alcohol, but despair, drama, whatever it is, fear, uh, abuse, all kinds of things that have just locked them up. And the Lord released us a little over a year ago, probably a year and a half now, um, to start a ministry in our church called Chain Breakers. And we structured this ministry. It happens, you know, every Wednesday evening. It started at six tonight. And it, it but we changed one term that was very important for us to change. And that is the word recovery. I don't like the word recovery when it comes to those uh, aspects. And if, just hold on just a minute and I'll explain what I mean by that. If When I played sports, when I played hockey and, and I was injured, I went into a process of recovery that was designed to, say I hurt my shoulder, it was designed to get my shoulder back to the place where it was before it was injured and to even maybe strengthen it a little bit as well. But my recovery process was only to get me back to what I was. Well, there's too many recovery programs in the world today, for for instance, for a drug addict to recover, and their mindset is recovering, but what their mindset is, is let me get back to the place before I got hooked on drugs. And my problem with that has always been, and always is, I don't want people to get back to where they were before they got on drugs because then they're back in a place where the drugs will attract them again. And I believe it's the one of the reasons, among many, why so many people relapse into their addiction, no matter what that is, drugs, alcohol, fear, abuse, whatever, all, all kinds of despair, depression, all kinds of things that you can get addicted to, food, etc., uh, and why they they relapse because they recover for a while, which means they 
They go back to that place where they started, but they haven't been given the tools necessary to avoid making the same mistake that they made the first time that they were at that place. And so we changed the word recovery in our chain breakers ministry to the word restoration, because I believe it's God's desire not to let us recover, but to be to restore us to what we ought to be, to what he designed us to be. There has to be something that changes us. When I become saved, so to speak, it's not just the Lord preparing me for heaven. I think for too long, uh, the church has made salvation a heaven or hell issue, and salvation is more a righteous righteousness issue. In other words, it's who we ought to be. I believe when I was saved, the Lord was restoring me back to the way he originally designed us to be in perfect communion with him. And I believe when we're saved and we're sanctified, what it is, is Jesus restoring us to back to, the Bible says it this way, to wit that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. We hear about walking in newness of life. We talk, we, we read about the old man becoming the new man. Uh, there's, there's a change that takes place. And so the kingdom of God is righteousness in the Holy Ghost. That word righteousness means it's the state of him who is as he ought to be. In other words, the way God created you, uh, God restores you. So the kingdom of God is a restoring kingdom. It's not a penalizing kingdom. It's not a condemning kingdom. It's a convicting kingdom in order to get you back to your restoration to the way that God originally intended you to be. You see, no matter who you are as a human being, we are all, uh, it's kind of built into us to go our own way. Adam and Eve went their own way and caused a whole lot of pain for all of us, but we do the same thing. We try to figure things out on our own. We try to do things on our own. We try to be things on our own. And the kingdom of God come, walks into our lives and says, uh, I want to make you different. I didn't create you this way. I created you in a different way and for a different purpose. And I want that to come in. So when we transition from our earthly kingdom, if you will, our earthly agenda, our own desires, our own dreams, and we repent of our sins and we give them over to him and we begin to follow him, he leads us into a kingdom where you and I become what he designed us to become. He restores us. And so that's one of the reasons why the scripture declares to us when he forgives our sins, he forgets them. He casts them into a sea as far as the east is from the west. So that when he sees us now, he doesn't see all the junk because he has restored us to being a brand new person and uh, to, to the way we were designed to be in the beginning. That's the kingdom. That's what I believe God is wanting to happen in the world today, in the church today, is not just to get us through another season, not just to get us on the other side of another trial, not just to get us into a place where things feel a little bit better. He's wanting to get us to a place where we were designed to be at the beginning, and that was to be hand in hand with him, having individual and sweet communion with him, so that you and I I can hear him, he can hear us, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And if we get to that place where we rest in him in that nature, all the other stuff in the world isn't going to matter. It's We're not going to be um, destroyed, if you will. We're not going to be put down. The things in the earth are not going to, because we have entered into a new kingdom. And the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray was, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 
So as heaven is, we want it to happen here. And when we get consumed with the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that place where we ought to be, that person that we ought to be, uh, because of Jesus, then all of a sudden his kingdom has showed up. Can I just tell you to watch on the faces of some of our our saints in person on Sunday and watch the kingdom of God move on them. We had one young lady that the power of God was just all over her and was moving on her. That is exciting because that's the kingdom at work. That's the kingdom that's moving. God is moving in this hour, in this day. Don't miss it. Don't get so tied together to the things of this earth. I'm reminded of some of the old songs that we used to sing. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. Uh, What a day that will be. Uh, He's coming soon. All of the old wonderful hymns that pointed us toward his return. But can I just tell you that sometimes as humans we get so consumed with thinking about heaven that we forget that Jesus told us to pray heaven into earth, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I, I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to see him face to face. I can't wait to grab my my father-in-law and my father and my grandfather and grandparents and, and those that have gone on before and dance around the throne and rejoice around the throne forevermore. That's going to be a wonderful thing. But until he makes that decision to call us home, my prayer is not, Lord, take us home. My, my prayer is even so, come Lord Jesus, let your kingdom come in this day, in this hour, so that others can see you and see your kingdom in action around us. I believe we are in the uh, first beginning stages of a mighty move of the kingdom of God before his return. I believe that people's lives are going to be changed because in the midst of darkness, when this earth is seems to be falling apart, is when his kingdom comes. And when people are looking for his kingdom, that's when the restoration process of his kingdom touches each individual life. If you're a pastor and you're watching this or you're a church leader, get ready for your church to see people just thronging into your into your church houses, not because you're so good, but because they're hungry for the kingdom and be ready to give them the kingdom. If you come to Spirit of Grace Church, it's our desire and our goal to lead you to the kingdom. I wish I could say that I'm the greatest preacher and we've got the greatest musician and singers and we've got great ones. Don't get me wrong and I'm thankful for it. But we're not a professional church, if you will, but we are a church that's on fire with the fire of the kingdom. And when you come in, you're going to sense something different because I believe that the kingdom of God is on the move and restoration is available. And not only is it available, it's God's desire to give it. And I believe that in this hour and in this day, uh, God is trying to speak to us in ways that we've never um, felt before. The second word there is peace in the Holy Ghost. And um, the word that that Paul uses here, it, it is, is peace, but I, I like the first definition that's given, um, and this is most of what I'm taking is is from Vine's Expository Dictionary um, and along with Thayer's Greek Lexicon and some other things where I, I do my, my study of the words or the Greek language. But the state of national tranquility, it's peace in the Holy Ghost. A state of national tranquility, obviously in the country of America, the United States, 
we're not in tranquil times right now. We are in upheaval, but it's in the midst of the upheaval of the natural world that the kingdom of God offers us tranquility and serenity and a an escape, if you will, from the ravages of torment and struggle and uh, rage that goes on around us. It, it, uh, the word peace also goes on to say that it, it's security or safety. Um, I believe this. Peace is not the absence of trouble, but it is the calmness or the tranquility in the midst of trouble. We are living in troubling times. There's no doubt about it. Uh, as of today, all across the country, they're, they're awaiting protests over the week, the next week, and, and things of that nature. And you're hearing all kinds of upheaval every day and the rage that's going on in all of the, the aspects from, from physical pandemic stuff or political stuff or world relationship, international relationships, things, and what's going on in other countries and around the world. We are definitely living in an era of rage, an era of unrest, an era of... But when you are part of the kingdom of God, you have peace in the Holy Spirit. Can I just tell you, I don't fear the things that are going on around us. As an American, I get concerned. But as a Christian, as a member of the kingdom, the Bible tells me this, take no thought for tomorrow what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink, what you're going to eat. And, and then he goes on, and that's the same passage in Matthew, I'm sorry, and I preached a little bit of this on Sunday. That's the same passage that ends at 633 of Matthew that says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be. If you're seeking him and if you're in his kingdom, he's going to take care of us. He's going to, he's going to take care of us. Is it going to be easy? No, because we're going to see all the stuff around us, but there's going to be a calmness in our spirit that God is in control because my heart is not in a kingdom that Jesus does not reign in. And so if you've entered into the kingdom of God, you have entered into the place where, number one, you are designed and, and you are restored to what God originally intended for you to be. And number two, you have a serenity or a calmness or a tranquility in the midst of all of the, the havoc that's going on in your life. And uh, unfortunately, um, most people, let me tell you, let me uh, put it this way. Uh, peace is not an emotion-based word. Peace is a perspective-based word. Okay, our emotions will play on us. Uh, on our thinking and the way we, you know, if, if we approach a situation in an emotional way, I believe in emotions. I believe God gives us emotions for a reason because emotions help us to express what's going on. But if we're making decisions or perspectives based on our emotions, our emotions are relegated as a response to stimulus. So in other words, what's going on around us will trigger our emotions. And so if we're making our uh, decisions or our perspective based on what's going around us, it'll go up and down. Uh, there'll be days where seemingly everything is going smooth and you're going to be happy. And so all of a sudden you feel like you have peace. And then there's going to be days that, that aren't so good and you're going to feel like there's no peace anywhere to be found. Because peace is not based on emotion. It's based on perspective. And here's what I mean by that. 
Jesus sent his disciples into the storm. Talking about the storm where, where Peter walked on water. He sent them out there knowing that a storm was coming. He said, go to the other side. Why did he do that? Because he was getting ready to prove a point to his disciples that he can show up no matter how bad it seems to be. That he'll when he and when he shows up, all things are going to be well. There's another passage of scripture where they the disciples are out in the boat and and, and maybe like you and I, the disciples had a hard time understanding or catching this. But the 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 ship is being tossed to and fro, the boats, you know. And there's fear upon all of the people, and they find Jesus asleep in the bow of the ship. And so they said, Jesus, how can you sleep at a time like this? And he, he stands up and says, peace, be still. And uh, there, there's two things that I want to let you recognize is peace is understanding who's in your boat. See, the disciples weren't understanding who's in your boat because even after Jesus said, peace be still, they were amazed, the Bible says, and astonished and said one to another, basically, who is this guy that even the winds and the waves obey him? They didn't recognize who he, who was in, in their boat at the time. And so there was fear and there was apprehension and there was panic. But if they had known who was in the boat, if you know the peace speaker is in the boat, if you're in the kingdom, the peace in the Holy Ghost, if you understand that, your perspective becomes, it doesn't matter how bad the waves are, because I know who's in the boat. It doesn't matter if things seem to be falling apart around me, he's in the boat. And uh, the second thing about that, just on an aside, is uh, I wonder how the disciples thought when they had to, to, to pull out the oars and row themselves back to shore, um, because they panicked about the storm. Sometimes the storm will get you to the other side. And Jesus said, peace be still, and all was calmed. And now they had to do the work to get to the other side. That's just an aside. So enjoy sometimes the waves and the winds, I guess what I'm saying. If Jesus is in your boat, your perspective changes. So now you can, if, if Jesus is in your boat, you know that, and you're part of the kingdom, the peace of the Holy Ghost is all the storms that come your way and the waves can just transport you to a greater uh, place quicker. And, and the Lord will use your tragedy He'll use your trouble and your struggle to get you from one place to another. And so don't necessarily take the negative things that are going on and saying, well, there's no peace. It could be that if you have the right perspective, you can look back and say, mm, God is using me in the midst of this to get me to a place. My prayer now, whenever I'm going through something, is Lord, get me to where I need to go and help me to recognize where you're taking me so that when I get there, I'm ready. And when I'm ready, then then you'll get us there, and because you're in control, that's that's what peace is: is the kingdom giving you tranquility in the midst of all the troubles and struggles that you're you're going through. It's not the absence of trouble; it's the absence of fear and panic, and gives you a calmness. And then the last one is joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy is simply gladness, if you will. It is uh, a word that that is an emotional word. It causes one to rejoice. See, that's the thing about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is fun. Uh, there, there's too many people that don't think the kingdom of God is fun. The kingdom of God is exciting. You never know what's going to happen from day to day. You never know what miracles getting ready to take place. You never know whether we're going to get called home today or not. 
It's an exciting adventure. And so if I am living in the kingdom of God and I am in the righteousness of the spirit, which means I am I'm restored to what I'm supposed to be, if my perspective is correct that no matter how bad it gets around me, I've got the master in the ship, my only response after that, after those two, my only response is gladness and rejoicing and having a good time in the kingdom and looking at the adventure that's in front of us. I, I just have to tell you uh, or, or suggest to you that one of the challenges that, for, that, that I've placed in my own thinking in 2021 is God help me to see forward. Help me to see what you're doing so that I can be as excited in the forward measures as looking back in 2020 vision. And excuse the pun of the 2020. Looking back in, in, over the course of my life, there are stories that I have there that where I know beyond the shadow of a doubt an angel has intervened, for instance, uh, in bringing my wife and I together. I have been on uh, on different trips with our corral when I was in college and watched God do some amazing things and didn't understand what was happening then. I look back and and some of the places that we have been moved by God to live and drive and jobs and different things that we've done that at the time we didn't understand. At the time there was some apprehension, but looking backwards, I'm like, oh my Lord, the Lord, and I've rejoiced over it. And I've been glad because he got me to where I was supposed to be. He gave me peace in the midst of all of it, and now I was rejoicing, but it was all done hindsight. Now I'm asking God in 2021, Lord, you've got me where you want me, and I am who you want me to be because of your kingdom and your righteousness. I have the proper perspective, God, because I'm not panicking about different things that are going on. I'm not, I'm not allowing the waves and the winds of society overwhelm me because I know who's in control. I know who's doing, who's pulling all of the, the, the strings for all of it. You're in control, God. And so I am going to rejoice and I'm going to look ahead and I'm going to do that before I have to look at it hindsight and rejoice. I want to rejoice in advance of things happening. I want to I want to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's the reason why the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength because and not use the word happiness because happiness comes and go based on your emotions but joy is a determination to rejoice no matter what to lift up your voice no matter what and i believe there is a calling that's going forward we heard a testimony on sunday uh in our service if if you if you missed it go back and watch uh the service from this last sunday there was a testimony talking about praise and she let out a hallelujah and a, and, and you could feel it reverberate within the the walls of the church and there was a power there why because we we begin to praise in advance of what we're facing and every time in scripture I want to read through this look through this every time in scripture it, those that worshiped before the battle always came out on top in in fact in the book of I think it's first chronicles maybe second chronicles uh, Jehoshaphat sets the singers out in front of the army and they go out singing praise ye the Lord for his mercy endureth forever and they just began to sing and the Lord sent ambushments and great victory was had Paul and Silas in the middle of the night saying praises unto God and it shook the prison and, and over and over and over again when people praised then things began to happen and uh, I'm reminded of an old song um I can still picture it. It was 
like 88 or 89, probably 89, and and Kevin Heron came and preached at Dover for us, and he sang a song, the the walls come as the praise goes up, the walls come down, and and that's really true, and that's 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 kingdom thinking, kingdom thinking is Lord make me what I'm supposed to be. Lord, let me see the tranquility of your spirit, no matter what's going on around me. And then I am going to worship you and praise you and watch all of the walls come down around me so that I am totally and completely consumed by you. And I, I believe that that's what's happening in the kingdom today. And that's what God, I believe, is calling us to in this day and age, because I believe that God is wanting to see things happen so that others can reach uh, for what we have. And then, and then I want to close with, with, with this verse here uh, in verse 18. We like to, we quote verse 17 quite a bit, but we forget about verse 18. So again, verse 17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness or righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 says this, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. I, I want you to, to notice that. You will please God and by pleasing God living in the kingdom, others will approve of you as well. It, it, it's not you making a point. They're going to approve of you because they're going to see the kingdom and they're going to see that God uh, is pleased with you. So it's my prayer in 2021. Lord, let thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God, restore each person right now, I pray. Lord, help us to lay aside the things that are meaningless, the things that are minors, and help us to major on the things that you have for us. Restoration being one. Righteousness in the Spirit, God, making us as we ought to be. I'm asking you, Lord, if there are those there tonight that are watching this, that you would speak to their hearts, that you would draw them into a reconciliation with you and restoration with you. Lord, I'm asking you to change our perspectives. I'm asking you, Lord, to speak to the way we think. Lord, you did say through the apostle in the book of Romans, let this mind be in you. Uh, in Philippians, mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. You also said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm asking you, God, tonight to help our perspective change, because if our perspective changes, that's when peace rings out. That's when the serenity and the calmness and the tranquility in the midst of the storm happens. And then, Lord, help us to rejoice in you. Help us to have a ready praise. Help us to have a song in our heart and, and a worship in our spirit and a testimony on our tongue. And, Lord, so that we can please you and that others can see you in us and approve of the kingdom of God being here as well. Lord, and again, one more time, let thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I ask all of this in your precious holy name, Jesus. We love you and adore you forever. Thank you again for this night. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you for joining us at Spirit of Grace Church Online. I pray that this week you would be blessed beyond measure and allow the presence of God to minister to you in days to come. If the Lord should tarry, We'll see you back here on Sunday as we, we share with you our Sunday service with our praise team and others. Until then, be well and God bless you very, very much.